0: Well, it's been a minute, and if you're listening to what my voice sounds like, you might have some indication, some inclination, as to why it has been a minute since you have heard a brand new episode of Men Seeking Tomahawks, Tizai, Jack Drastic, alongside me, Mama's Fancy Boy, Mr. Danny Franks. Danny, hope you're doing better than I am right now, sir. Look at
1: that. You talk for like 30 seconds without uh, without coughing and without your head exploding. So I think that's that's pretty good. Yeah, no, it has been a minute. Um, two weeks ago, we couldn't record because I had no voice. Yep. And then as we kind of rounded the corner, headed towards
0: this past recording session, yep. you had issues. Yes, you and I discovered the hard way that what you had was sexually transmittable. And now here I am with the sniffles and... It's it's rough. It's and it's, it was all through
1: like augmented reality too. Like we haven't even been in the same location yet.
0: Somehow it yeah, got we got transmitted. We're pressing the limits of that metaverse already. Uh, but yeah, it's been a, the past seventy two hours, especially you. Uh, oh my gosh, I, I didn't I didn't get the big C or the medium C. Same. But 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 what I have done is uh, is caused delirium. I, I, seeing straight, not being dizzy. These are all fanciful things that I, that I'd like to uh, to overcome. But uh, anywho, and the fact is is that it works out right because Danny has something to say. I have the inability to say much, so this evening Danny will be doing the heavy lifting. And Danny, what are we going to be heavy lifting this evening?
1: Yeah, well, the timing did work out well because I did spend a few days last week in a city that. I guess nowadays is kind of known as bachelorette party, USA, uh, USA central or whatever you want to say. Um, but I always knew it as music city, USA, Jack. So that's right. I took a field trip to Nashville and can't wait
0: to share with you my brush with greatness. Uh, but I'll tell you about that next. Ooh, look at that professional grade tease right there. Okay guys. So coming up next, Dan has lots to say, thank God, but first we'll keep, uh, danny's gonna tell us about music i'm gonna make you listen to some so guys first here is alabama singer songwriter stephen lane with his song gasoline right here on men seeking tomahawks Singer-songwriter Stephen Lane with his song "Gasoline," a little bit of uh, indie folk from Alabama. Dan, if you'd like to hear more from Stephen Lane or any musician featured on the program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. I send it to you, Dan. Thanks, and yeah, you know that that music was from Alabama, not
1: too far from where I spent the last several days in Nashville, USA, uh, Tennessee if you're uh, from another area, and it is known as Music City USA, and uh, I'm going to get into some of my musical uh, soirees that I had while in town, Um, but at first I wanted to kind of share like what brought me there. So uh, as you mentioned in the past, I do um, like events, conferences, things like that often taking place at convention centers and one of the biggest convention center uh, companies is the Gaylord Company. So you've got Gaylord Hotels and convention centers all over the country. And kind of their flagship is in Nashville. And I was lucky enough to be invited by them for this uh, this weekend uh, affair. And it was a lot of fun. So first, thanks to Gaylord. For your, I'm sure they're listening for uh, bringing me out there. But for supplying the uh, content for this episode because it was... Um, a weekend I won't
0: forget—that's for sure. So, like, g- if they'd like to join Zombo as our prestigious sponsor, feel free, Gaylord. We're here for you. Feel free, and I'll, I'll bring Jack next time.
1: Uh, but, but, I kind of start out with where I started on this uh, this weekend, and that's what anyone who's been to Nashville or maybe heard about uh, some of the cool things that happen there. It's Broadway Street. Jack, are you familiar with Broadway Street in Nashville? Indeed. So this is the strip. This is the street that all the the craziness happens. Um, it's probably the coolest like downtown bar type street that I've ever been to. Um, a lot. It, it kind of reminds me of Sixth Street in Austin. Uh, I'm trying to think of other other things comparable, but it's just one of the streets where you stare at one end and as far as you can see, on both sides, there's bars, there's clubs, um, all in this one street, and you know, living up to the name of Music City, literally every one of these storefronts has has music playing in it. So every bar has the sliding glass windows that open and there's bands playing at every bar. There's a Taco Bell on that street that's got live music, the only Taco Bell that I've ever seen playing live, uh, having a live band. Uh, and even a bank, you know, one of those little kind of downtown banks where it's got the ATM and the small teller. Uh, there was a musician in the lobby of the bank. So Definitely, kind of a cool experience to to walk up and down that street a little bit. Now, this is where all the craziness happens late at night, where all the bachelorette parties are. My stop there was at one p.m. in the afternoon on a Friday, and I can report back that uh, first of all, good news, COVID's over in Nashville. Um, nothing to worry about there, <laughs> uh, because you know you feel like okay, cool. I'm outside, outdoors. That's what they recommend. You're okay um except if you're packed shoulder to shoulder front to back um on a sidewalk in again 1 p.m in the afternoon uh it was the most it was like i i haven't been in sidewalks on sidewalks that crowded in new york city like this was insane how packed it was just on a seemingly random afternoon Uh, one thing about this setup and the bachelorette party uh, scene going on here is while the sidewalks were all crowded uh, with pedestrians walking, all of the uh, uh, the street was like flooded with these every single vehicle you can imagine uh, converted into basically like a party bus. So you may be seeing like Las Vegas school buses that people are partying in or something like that. Nashville is the same way, except you. I, I saw the fire truck. Uh, There's this fire truck with probably 20 women. Uh, celebrating with drink in hand, just kind of riding in this converted fire truck, um, a tractor pulling what looked like a hayride uh, that you might, or I might take our, our kids on a hayride. Uh, but in this case, it was a hayride full of um, partying bachelorettes. So really kind of crazy scene. And again, I keep resetting to this. This is 1 p.m. in the afternoon. This is not like a, a weekend <laughs> night. So right. um, yeah, so so kind of madness downtown. Uh, and you know, I'm guessing didn't stick around to see what the nighttime scene looked like, but I'm guessing it's one of those streets that they maybe shut down the street and kind of open it up at some point um, because you know the pedestrian traffic on an afternoon was so crazy. But kind of our highlight of that day of being downtown was we got to visit the Country Music Hall of Fame. So this is where our our music journey began for the weekend. I don't know, Jack. Have you been to any sort of Hall of Fame,
0: sports, music, anything like that? Why, as a matter of fact, Dan, you—you you, there's no way you don't recall that uh, <laughs> one fateful weekend you and I went to the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame housed in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas. You must remember that. Also a crazy bachelorette party destination. <laughs> no, you, the craziest. Nashville is... Uh, Nothing but a but a mimic of Wichita Falls. So is that your one Hall of Fame experience then? I honestly can't think of another one I've been to.
1: So and actually, you know, this does remind me a little bit of that. In that, the coolest things that at these Hall of Fames and, and museums like this are, are the artifacts, the memorabilia, kind of those used items that you see from. You know, in in that case, it was the the wrestling stars of yesteryear, and and maybe their their sequined ring jacket, or maybe a mask they wore. And in this case, it was really cool because there was like all kinds of um, you know guitars used by pretty much any uh, country music artist you can think of, maybe a cowboy hat worn by Travis Tritt, or a guitar played by Johnny Cash, or that kind of thing. Now, one thing I noticed, and I'm not sure if other hall of fames are like this but this is something that i kind of had a gripe about was a lot of the a lot of the the scenes or a lot of the little sets they would have it was like decorated with pictures of pictures so maybe like a concert poster of of a concert that took place a real famous country music uh, festival but instead of having like the poster on display it would be like a photograph of the poster just kind of affixed to the wall or, Mm. or like a letter written by, you know, Johnny Cash to somebody. And it would be like a photograph of the letter just put in there. To me, that kind of, it was like, okay, so it's like a website,
0: you know. It's very, very interesting gripe on your part, but I can see what you're saying. It's a little bit low rent as opposed to saying, behold, we have Johnny Cash's uh, letter for you. To peruse. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, okay. I mean, it, it sounds silly when you <laughs> when you word it like that, but it's, you know, with all this like real life tangible things. No, I get it. But sure. then just have a photograph that, you know, anyone could see anywhere. But otherwise, some other really cool things. So one of the, the coolest things was one of Elvis Presley's gold-plated Cadillacs was there in full. Which um, Side note, vehicles were like way bigger back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've ever seen a, a, a vehicle, just a sedan from the 50s, but it's like oh. a houseboat. Oh yeah. From from the TV show Hee Haw, they had a fake mm. cornfield that I guess was used as as a set and lots of the outfits from Hee Haw. That was interesting. Uh not necessarily country music related, although I guess they featured no, yeah, artists. yeah, they Yeah, yeah, they featured artists for sure. One of the other cool things was they had this giant wall of golden platinum records that were, I guess when you're an artist and RIAA presents you these records, you know, If you're a star and you get enough of them, you don't have anything to do with them. So they would donate them, and there's just this giant wall. So I was kind of fun, killing a few minutes, trying to spot some records I recognized. Um, not many. I, I should preface this. I'm not a country music fan,
0: Jack. I was very curious when you told me about this field trip that was very much country music oriented, what your angle was. So determining that it was work-related makes makes a lot more sense than anything I came up with.
1: Yeah, well, okay, so then this is, like, why this is another one of the cool things I noticed. Uh, The Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit 2 was in the museum. Hell yes. That was kind of cool. And then, you know, one, one observation was that as you walked through the museum, it was kind of a chronological layout. So you started with the early days of country and the memorabilia from those artists. And they had, like, little displays, just like a guitar and a piece of clothing from... Pretty much any notable country artist you could think of. Um, but the one exception was the Dixie Chicks, Jack. Do you know this story? Yeah, and I'm not not, not too surprised, I guess. I guess so. Um, yeah, but it, anyone who doesn't, uh, the Dixie Chicks were notably outspoken during the Afghanistan War. Uh, what, circa 2001, 2002, 2003, that era. Yeah. Um, you know, when when some of the country artists were talking about putting boots in asses, and the Dixie Chicks were like, "Hey, why don't we rethink this?" Um, that basically got them blackballed from the from the industry right. for several decades. Like, I think they're just now coming out of coming out of the woodwork again. Is that
0: sound right? They have a recent album, yeah, and uh, I think it's called Gaslighter. But I'm curious. So, do you feel like other than the Dixie Chicks, that that Nine late '90s slash aughts era of country music was otherwise well represented. Yeah,
1: I mean, you name it from from that era. Um, you know, obviously, like a George Strait or something like that would have been a little bit before that. But you kind of go through those. I'm trying to, you know, go through my recall of, uh, you know, uh, Travis Trick, Clint Black,
0: Jody uh, Messina.
1: Yeah, but then you, but then you come all the way up to to you know current day and a bunch of people that I don't recognize cuz I'm completely removed from that scene but it went all the way through there so there was yeah a very kind of obvious thing and I don't know enough about if there was other people missing for for reasons like that but just in terms of my like recall of people who were popular in the in the genre they're the ones that were left out so
0: that's interesting cuz they they were pretty big in their day and uh that was scandalous for uh for that uh community i guess so it's interesting it is interesting and uh
1: the 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 main event for why i was in town though that's what came up that evening and you know a little hint this person also did something uh much more recently that i would have thought would have maybe gotten this person blackballed from the industry as well or at least gotten some heat but as far as i could tell things were going perfectly fine and jack that's what's coming up next is I spent a very intimate evening with one of the biggest stars in the history, not just country music but music in general uh, and it's someone who's very on
0: brand for Nashville so I can't wait to tell you all about this next. oh my goodness did you guys hear how he stressed the word intimate like i'm I'm not sure I'm not sure what's about to happen but uh but we're gonna we're gonna get through it together well guys coming up next Dan is going to do a little bit of Red Shoes Diary for us. But first, we have a bit of uh, chip tune slash smooth jazz, all the way from the UK, Dan. Uh, this is Usaji Ika with the song Tadpoles, right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. <laughs>
2: I'm <laughs>
0: Usagi Ika with the song Tadpoles. Dan, it's, it's not every day. I don't know if you heard any of this in Nashville, but uh, you certainly hear from here at Men Seeking Tomahawks, chiptune smooth jazz from the United Kingdom. How about that?
1: That's awesome. I did hear uh, a lot of music while I was in town, but none of that. But you can listen to more of that at menseekingtomahawks.com. But what you can't hear any of is uh, a little bit of musical royalty that I had a brush with. I actually traveled not just to Nashville, but to the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, wow. Which is like... Uh, you Hallowed know, grounds. Hallowed grounds. Hallowed Grounds, and and there I spent, Jack, an intimate evening with a man who, and I'm going to read down these stats for you, the only artist in music history to have released nine albums that achieved diamond status, that's 10 million or more sales, uh, actually surpassing The Beatles, who only had six, Uh, is the best-selling solo album artist in the United States, uh, surpassing Elvis Presley, and second only in total sales to The Beatles, uh, a member of the, and here's some more Hall of Fames for you, Musicians Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and as I visited last week, the Country Music Hall of Fame. Jack, I spent a very intimate evening with Garth Brooks.
0: Wow. So, Dan, you uh, you are uncomfortably emphasizing the word intimate, so <laughs> was this like a swingers thing that we landed ourselves or uh what's no, going on here dan? Uh, yeah this is more how they um how they had they build it like this was on the ticket like this is what the uh, event was called um dan showed I, up pantsless and was quickly escorted out of the building is what happened yeah exactly that is uh what happened and then i you but know, you guys said <laughs> said intimate
1: i'll put my boots back on okay um but yeah you know as we as I mentioned earlier, uh, not a huge music fan uh, and my least interesting genre of music is country um but definitely something I couldn't turn down when I got the invite and you know since we're, we're going through the intimacy of this um, a lot of that had to do with uh the previously mentioned grand old Opry the grand old Opry house um where this was uh where this concert I went to intimate evening concert took place little background there so the Grand Ole opry house is where the television show the Grand Ole opry takes place and has taken place since the 70s and as best i know um the Grand Ole opry tv show is just like a weekly showcase of you know country music local country music in nashville uh, but people from all over the the country go there to, to attend uh, the tv tapings but also it's considered like the mecca for country musicians to, to play. Like that's the, the I've made it moment is
0: if you get invited to play at the Grand Ole Opry, there's probably not a bigger showcase in the history of country music than the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And then, you know, kind of an interesting fact here is, is for decades before this Grand Ole Opry house host, the hosted the Grand Ole Opry, um, became like the home for it. Actually in downtown Nashville, there's a place that's called the Ryman auditorium. Uh, kind of a converted church. And in the early 1900s all the way up until 1970s, that's where the Grand Ole Opry TV show took place. So that was kind of considered like the Mecca building, was the Ryman Auditorium. And it was really old though and falling apart. And so when they moved it a little out of town to this new Grand Ole Opry house, um, they, they cut out like a circle from the stage of that original Ryman Auditorium. And then when they built the new venue, they built around this circle. So that circle uh, is, is still the same circle, still that same like stage, so to speak, that all the, the great country music stars from the early 1900s played on. So, you know, okay, it's a different building, but that stage is kind of that hollowed ground. So that was kind of a cool fun fact. Um, it's actually so, so important, I guess, to, to country music and country music fans. Um, in 2010, there was like a big flood in Nashville and the, the Opry House flooded But like the thing they saved first was they went in there and they were able to lift that circle and take that kind of to to a dry place. So that was the one piece of the whole building that didn't get flooded was that same circle. So kind of a a fun fact there. The building itself was super, I I was, I don't want to say underwhelmed, but from the outside looked like it could have been any, you know, big church that you drive by on the side of the road or something like that. There's nothing spectacular looking about the Opry House from the outside, um, and then on the inside, it kind of was like a traditional theater with your lower level and your upper deck. Um, kind of the interesting thing, though, is the seating was, even though it's it's permanent seating like you would see in a, in a regular, you know, kind of like Broadway type venue or opera house, but it was like church pew type seating. So it wasn't like individual seats, but it really, other than, you know, anyone who's been to a church, other than like the kneelers that kind of fold down on the back of the church pews, Uh, otherwise that's what the seating was like so that was kind of uh interesting i'm not sure i've ever been to a venue that's had that kind of seating
0: well that must be a callback to the original venue too don't you think yeah probably so yeah even though yeah kind of a throwback right yeah
1: yeah and it definitely definitely did have that vibe the other interesting thing that made this evening even more intimate was that this uh this venue has a capacity of about four thousand, but i guess at the artist's request um all the bad seats were not sold so a lot of the seats in the upper deck, probably the last, the back half of the upper deck seats just were not sold for this concert. And then um, there's certain like sections, of the very back of the lower section that weren't made available as well. So kind of a fun, um, kind of a fun intimacy thing going on here. And yeah, I guess this concert sold out in like, you know, 10 minutes. And actually, I guess Garth Brooks is on like more of a, more of a, uh, like a stadium tour right now. And some, you know, football stadiums and things like that. And even those are selling out within, you know, a few minutes. So I'm lucky to get this invite because I would not have been able to get these tickets on my own.
0: So, Dan, I have a question because <laughs> I think I think we're rounding the, the corner here where you're about to start explaining the the uh, performance itself. Yep. There's something that Garth Brooks does. I mean, I've I, when I was I, I I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, we definitely listened to those cassette tapes. Yep. Definitely watched the VHS performances, so I mean I've been I'm very aware of Garth Brooks and have been since I was a kid. But there's this um, thing he does; it's it's a little bit of a quirk. I don't know if any I don't know how many people notice that he does this, but Garth Brooks will walk out. He's been doing this for decades, right? He's like the like you said, he's like bigger than the Beatles, bigger than Elvis, and in, in, in some respects, he will walk out to a sold out crowd and look around in fake astonishment that anybody showed like he takes his hat off and is like, Oh my gosh, Ma, they came to see me. Did so and he'll just look around just gazing at all oh my God. I don't even know if I can perform tonight. There's so many people here. Like he and it just feels so forced because there's no way that this man who has performed in front of millions of people at this point in his life is actually astonished that people actually came out to see him. Did that Did that occur when when Garth Brooks came out at the Grand Ole Opry? So, spoiler alert: the show lasted about three hours and it flew by. Um, but I'd say n-
1: no more than an hour of it was spent doing things like that. The rest of it was definitely <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it was definitely music. So he
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> wow so, so was, uh, skipping to the end before i get back to the be- <laughs> barb aimed at garth brooks all this
1: time. skipping to the end before i get back to the beginning here um but the last <laughs> sign was this was the best night ever was the last oh. thing he screamed
0: <laughs> oh yeah
1: <laughs> um yeah but okay so I'll, okay so yes all of that happened yeah um but I, i'll say most of the audience bought it hook line and sinker like nobody was was as skeptical as you just came across um
0: no of course not no 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 none of them are skeptical i am yeah but nobody who's at that show who spent money to watch that show is like he's doing a bit right no no they're not doing that yeah he comes out he's like wait wait y'all have heard of garth brooks (laughs) are you serious and they're like yeah we've we've heard of you we told we've bought we i bought the (laughs) t-shirt he's like oh my gosh and they're like oh my gosh you are the one who bought my shirt. I wondered who that was. <laughs> um Yeah, but it was it was
1: a it was a cool, interesting uh show. So there was no opening act, um no band. So this was billed as an intimate evening with Garth, and it sure was. Um there was no like set. Uh, it was just him and his two guitars, switched back and forth for I guess musical reasons.
0: There's different sounding <laughs> guitars, so
2: he
1: he did one this- for
0: we have this stable of musician friends. We have none of them <laughs> alongside us, so instead we get to hear former professional wrestler, former CPA Dan Franks explain that there are musical reasons why you change guitars. That's what. Sorry, guys. That's what you have this evening from us. I apologize. Uh, well, okay. So, anyways, um, the the form of the
1: show took kind of like a like an improvised, free flowing, off the cuff type performance um as you mentioned that's probably all very contrived and well thought out but it was a lot of a uh, oh you know you gotta forgive me this guitar i gotta gotta tune it real quick do you mind if i uh play a little song for you while i <laughs> while i get it tuned up and you know playing a couple uh memorable what i i could only assume were memorable you know licks of licks of one of his favorite songs uh and then he's like oh you know we're, we're just getting started this is just the this is just the you know warm-up this was me getting tuned and then um we had a little bit of you know after a big song would be played and then people would cheer to be like oh you think we're done oh we're just getting going and yeah so a lot of uh a lot of that going on um definitely a lot of you mentioned the taking off the hat and looking around gosh Uh, gollies definitely a lot of gosh gollies but you know as somebody who was, again. Probably the same level of of knowledge of Garth as you. Um, we like you said, we grew up in the area of, or the 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 era of the stadium shows that were broadcast for some reason on TV. And I, I can't really remember why, but I do remember, like a Saturday night at seven p.m., you'd watch a Garth concert on ABC.
0: Dude, it was he was Jordan. I yeah. mean that guy. That guy is the Michael Jordan of country music. And you think about that, you had, in the 90s, you had Garth Brooks, you had Michael Jackson, you had Michael Jordan. Like, there are certain things that were, uh, they were television events, you know, I'll throw Madonna, you know, I mean, those are definitely things that uh, you could put on national broadcast television and get, you know, 7 million people to watch or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, some of those songs from that era, I definitely recognized, but again, the kind of the form of the show was him talking through, well, you know, this is where I started. I started playing the dive bars in Oklahoma, and, uh, you know, here's some of my influences, and we got some, you know, James Taylor and Bob Seger covers, and uh, even some uh, some Billy Joel and Elton John. Like, he would That's play, right. like, little songs that, that, and I guess you know, me looking from the outside in, I'm like, okay, he's like a country guy, but for country people, he was considered more of a country, crossover. Like, he was considered someone who mixed in a whole lot of rock compared to some of your more traditional, like George Strait
0: and, and things like that. I think, no, I think he was a crossover success. I don't think it was intentional, but I think he had mainstream appeal that a lot of country, like a lot of his uh, contemporaries did not have. And and yeah, I mean, he he co- like he covered an Aerosmith song on one of his albums um, and when he was growing up in the dive bars, I remember that being a big thing that he did Billy Joel things. Cause I was also a big Billy Joel kid growing up. Uh, but he was definitely mostly known as a country musician, except for Chris Gaines. And that was a whole, that's, <laughs> and that's another story. Yeah. Another
1: story for another day. Um, but I did enjoy kind of showing, showing, uh, my, my guest who came with me, showing her a picture. Hey, you probably don't remember this but this is him in the late 90s when he tried to be a rocker it's a long story a long story um but yeah as a non-fan or i should say non-country music fan i did enjoy the the cover songs and, and some more recognizable songs he did again you know whether it was genuine or not like he did he was able to maintain like a personal feeling and you know he would say oh i forgot the words can you help me out like you know those kind of things and like people but it can't he's like a such a like he's I a very it. good entertainer. Like, he's a showman, yeah, he's a I showman. And like everything was probably scripted out to a t, but it came off as like, hey, we're just hanging out, and you know we're just playing some songs. You know, a few people from the audience did yell out songs and he would break into it. And I don't think those were like plants or anything, but he's somebody that's been
0: playing the same songs for, you know, thirty years, so it's probably yeah. not that's it. It's not even scripted, Dan. It's just that this we've done this match. 5,000 times, we're just going to, we got it now. We've, we know. Yeah. Um, but it, it,
1: as somebody who was like, you know, just there to have a good time, I wasn't there to scrutinize it was, it was fun. And it definitely came off as trying to think what, what to compare it to. Um, I don't know if you've gone to like any like Vegas shows where it's like, okay, this isn't like a concert, but this is like, you know, an evening with us, right. We're telling stories, we're singing, we're hanging out. Um, and when it's done really well, it's like an enjoyable time and you wouldn't necessarily want to go back and see it a month later because it's probably gonna kill the, kill the aura for you. But like at the time, seems like an enjoyable, um, experience now. Well, we haven't talked about, uh, but a few weeks prior to that, I actually went to Las Vegas and I did see a a Vegas show with, um, this is a little tangent, but it circles back and it was David Copperfield, who, Mm. um, I guess is like the Garth Brooks of magic, so to speak. Like if you you know the, the the top of the top musicians versus in the top of the top magician, um, sure. and so I went to a David Copperfield show there, and it was you know you talk about like the scripted and the the phoniness. This was the single most scripted, fake, phony performance I've ever been to. I've um, heard was this that. David Copperfield show? Yeah. It was like every joke was like read every yeah. every impromptu or punchline was like the same there was plants all over every crowd interaction was clearly a plant Um, and the magic was freaking awesome like you know he throws up a curtain next thing there's like a car floating over your head like insane stuff I couldn't even imagine how some of this magic is done but the delivery was so inauthentic and and not genuine that like I left just kind of with a weird feeling of like okay the tricks were cool but it was just really weird like if yeah, I don't feel like the performers enjoying themselves, which I did not at all. I felt like it was a paycheck and like dude's a billionaire by the way, David Copperfield, like Oh yeah. But he, you know, still performs twice a night the same show that he's been doing for 20 years. Um so when I compare and con- contrast that with what the Garth performance was like, we just said, he's probably been doing that same thing for so long, but just the way it was delivered and the, the experience I had of one versus the other in somewhat comparable performances for each of their crafts, just like
0: night and day. Yeah. Well, you know, so it's interesting cause it, you brought up Vegas and I was almost about to bring that up before you, you did because I want to say that in the last several years, Garth Brooks has had a residency in Vegas. Which makes complete sense given right. the the status of the the artist, the age of its of his fans, go to Vegas. I mean, and I think that might even be an interesting topic for us at a later time, is to just look at Las Vegas residencies and mm-hmm. how they went from the Rat Pack to Britney Spears and and Dion, all that. It's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, but. And, and I get that. Like, I've heard really negative things about David Copperfield's walkthrough show. But you know what? In the same vein, I've heard the same thing about Elton John. I've heard mm-hmm. the same thing about Willie Nelson. It's like, you know, there's certain artists that it's like, I just, I'm, look, I love you guys too, but like, let's just get this over with, you know? <laughs> I mean, they've yeah. done it so many times. But I, and, and, and I, I don't want to uh, reduce the fact that, that honestly, by itself, just the fact that you've seen Garth Brooks is pretty cool, and especially given the venue you got to mm-hmm. see him in, that's amazing. Um, you know, I think that's I think that's a really awesome thing. Yeah. So, anyways that that's my that's my
1: trip report. Um, had a, co- some cool other things we did. Um, like that evening after the concert, we had a little after party where we got to go have drinks, and there was a few like singer songwriters there that were kind of telling. Telling their stories and it was it was interesting because it was almost in reverse So like a lot of the Garth Brooks story that he told along the way was that he was a songwriter And apparently I learned most people go to Nashville First as songwriters and like their goal is to write a song that gets you know picked up or whatever you say By a famous artist and then you build a relationship with that artist and you can kind of work your way into Then being the singer of your own songs and that kind of thing so it was cool that after this concert, then we went and kind of had a even more intimate evening, Jack, with some of these uh, Nashville's up-and-coming songwriters, and they were kind of playing their own songs and telling the stories about, you know, that we, this is how we wrote this song, and this is how we, um, you know, pitched the song to these artists and got it picked up. Um, but yeah, just kind of a cool uh, two or three days in Nashville, all surrounded by music and country and all of that, and
0: was happy to bring the story back to you and bachelorette parties. That was what I, that was my takeaway. So how, how did you feel about Nashville? Like of all the places, Dan is a very worldly man of, of all the places you've been. How did you, I mean, where would you rate this one?
1: Yeah. So to me, Nashville is just kind of a, kind of a plain, plain town. There's not a, not a whole lot going on now. My traveling mate, she thought that it was like a she thought it was more pretty than where we are in the Dallas area which isn't hard to do but oh. she she appreciated the beauty of I guess the Appalachian Mountains are not too far from from there that's kind of where they start yeah um so you can kind of look off in the distance and see legit mountains in, in the distance um this time of year kind of the foliage is nice around the country so lots of yellows and oranges uh, stretching down there But overall, you know, it's anyone who's familiar with kind of Nashville and and how hip it is right now. A lot of people are moving out that way. And much like the story we have here in Dallas, the infrastructure and the roads and all that aren't really made to support the volume of people that are are moving in there. So, you know, that's the big takeaway is just you sit in traffic all the time. And that's never a fun thing.
0: I I feel like you of uh, it's I love Dan. Don't so that, like I I'm I'm, I'm prefacing all this. All right. Here we go. i just saying I love Dan. I love Dan, but however, like you just you're like, "Hey, I just saw one of the most legendary human beings that one could possibly see if you're alive in this time frame. I saw him in a historic venue <laughs> in an up in, in a town in a historic town that is is on an upswing. But you know what? The potholes? <laughs> It's going to, you know, two and a half stars.
1: The gift shops, they just, uh, (laughs) they don't make the magnets like they used to. I guess it's a supply
0: chain issue. My Starbucks app did not work in three of the Starbuckses, you guys. Well, you know, the issue is uh,
1: they serve Starbucks coffee, but they're not real Starbucks.
0: Dan, it's funny you brought up your uh, crazy evening out with those young, hopeful musicians who found their way to Nashville seeking fame because one of them followed you back to Texas. No, they didn't. Oh, gosh. I am incredulous. Oh, yeah. He's been waiting in the green room for quite a while now. Let's go ahead and introduce. <laughs> Sir, what was your name again? Howdy, partners. His name's
3: Cody Caden. Red dirt country singer slash songwriter slash guitar picker extraordinaire at your service.
0: <laughs> Cody Caden, welcome to the program. So you say you met Dan last week in Nashville.
3: Hey, Danny. <laughs> Actually, Hi.
0: Nashville was the second time that I met Danny. We
3: first met uh, up in D.C. earlier this year. Uh, it was a little uh, demonstration we held for like-minded individuals back in January.
0: January. Uh, are you are you referring to the the Stop the Steel rally? Dan, you didn't tell me you were a rioter. No, 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 no,
1: no, no. This is preposterous, slanderous,
0: actually. Cody, how could you?
1: Oh, come on,
3: Dan, stop being modest. I'll never forget everyone cheering for Danny when they showed us that he stole Nancy Pelosi's hanging there cat poster out from out for (laughs) office. This man is a true patriot.
1: Dan, what say you? I say I need a minute. Actually, I'm. Uh, g- give me a moment here, dialing the phone, uh, getting the official MST lawyer right here. Uh, standby.
3: Oh, maybe Danny just doesn't remember. I bet he doesn't remember too much from Nashville either. Who? <laughs> Boy, he tied one on that night.
0: You know that that does make sense. He he didn't recall many details about that trip uh, apart from potholes. You know he did talk an
3: inordinate amount about potholes. Yeah. Uh, but he also talked about how he was going to make me a big-time country western music star when I came down here to Dallas. Well, here I am, Danny, and I saved all the Uber receipts for you to reimburse me, just like you told me to do.
1: <laughs> I don't remember any of that. Not not a bit. And I, I know you're trying to say it's because I drank too much, but I think it's due to the fact that these are 100% non-factual. This is lies 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 and i probably had all of two drinks the entire evening no 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 you're right dan we didn't
3: get all that we didn't drink all that much not after we started huffing carburetor cleaner that's when you went full hee haw (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: wow Uh, so if you're just joining us we're speaking with aspiring country music star cody caden who was guaranteed stardom by one Dan Franks on his recent trip to Nashville. So Cody, what did Dan say he could do to help launch your music career?
3: Well, Mr. Jack, I don't know if uh, you know this, but Danny here owns and operates the world's largest, longest running conference and trade show for
1: podiatry. (laughs) No, not quite a pod, but it, it, Podcasting. The conferences for podcasting.
3: Mister Danny told me that I come down here and perform in front of all them foot doctors.
0: <laughs> I-, I like it. Uh, foot doctors buy records too, you know. That's what Mama
3: said. As a matter of fact, those were dying words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? In the- oh my God! I am insane now, Jack.
3: Now, Mister Danny said the master stroke to his plan was not the foot doctors. Believe it or not. No. No. Mm. No. In hushed tones, albeit slurry ones, on account of all the cover reader cleaner oven. Uh, Dan, uh, confided in me that he also produced a semi-weekly audio program that just dedicated to showcasing musical talent.
0: Hmm, interesting.
3: Yeah, now we're talking big time here. This show has launched all the greats. The Swedish Teens, Sono Amazing, Springworks, all the greats, you know.
0: Wow. Dan, look at my arm. I've got chills.
3: Hmm, And this show was called, uh, what was it, Uh, People Looking for Tommy Bahamas or something? Uh, So so here I am, Mr. Dan, uh, here to perform live on your audio, non-video show on the interweb.
0: Uh, Dan, it's only fair that you introduce the music act this time, seeing as, you know, he is your client and all.
1: There is not a chance in the world that I won't regret doing this, but <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Mr. Cody Caden, right here on People Looking for Tommy Bahamas.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dan. Uh, this one goes out to uh, Mr. Dan, and I call it Welcome Back JFK Jr.
0: Oh, no, that's okay. Away. That's no stop. Okay. Oh, hey, God Cody Caden, everybody. Right there. All right. <laughs> off. <And> look, off. <laughs> I, we we just ran out of tape. I'm sorry. We got we got to cut oh, this one man. short, Cody. Sorry about this. maybe uh, next and time. as they, uh, maybe maybe prob- probably not. And as they always say, this is once again the end of men seeking tomahawks. Be sure to subscribe to the program on your favorite podcast app. Become a tomahawk-seeking person by joining the conversation over on The Social. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, I'm Jack. For Jack, I'm Dan. And and
1: Cody, do not ever sing that song.
3: Oh, you said you loved it it back in Nashville.
1: No, (laughs) throw in the trash.